Blog Talk Radio. Ready? Are you ready? Okay. All right, let's take us a red songbook. Let's stand together and let's turn to 151. 151, dwelling in Beulah Land. You ready? Far away the noise of strife upon my ear is falling. Then I know the sins of earth be set on every hand. Doubt and fear and things of earth and things to me are calling. None of these shall move me from Beulah land. I'm living on the mountain underneath the cloudless sky. Praise God, I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh, yes, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in Beulah land. Far below the storms of death upon the world is beating. Sons of men in battle enemy withstand. Safe am I within the castle of God's word retreating. Nothing then can reach me, tis Beulah land. I'm living on the mountain underneath the cloudless sky. Praise God, I'm drinking at the fountain. That never shall run dry. Oh, yes, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply. For I am dwelling in Beulah land. Let the stormy breezes blow. Their cry cannot alarm me. I am safely sheltered here, protected by God's hand. Here the sun is always shining, here there's naught can harm me. I am safe forever in Beulah land. I'm living on the mountain. Underneath the cloudless sky, praise God, I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh, yes, I'm feasting on the manna from a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in Beulah land. Viewing here the works of God, I see. In contemplation, hearing now his blessed voice, I see the way he planned. Dwelling in the spirit here, I learn a full salvation. Gladly will I tarry in Beulah land. I'm living on the mountain. Underneath the cloudless sky, praise God, I'm drinking at the fountain that never shall run dry. Oh, yes, I'm feasting the manna from a bountiful supply, for I am dwelling in Beulah land. Amen. It's good to be in church, isn't it? I think we're ever going to get back here. I didn't think I was ever going to get back here. We have been prisoners in our... I know y'all have been too, but... Well, we felt like prisoners since February the 5th. And I tell, you, I tell you what, though. I want to give God glory because my wife was sick. Uh, turns out it wasn't COVID, but it was definitely... I think it was skating on the edge of pneumonia if it, was, if it wasn't already full-blown pneumonia. But she, is, she uh, needed that rest time. I know everybody else necessarily didn't need to sit in the house froze up, but we needed that rest time for her to get well, and she's well, and I think she's not 100%, but she's probably 85. So pray for her that she continues to get better. 
Y'all pray for me. I got a few little ailments. Ain't no big deal, but I'm, I got a real bad stiff neck. I pulled, I was, I was trying to be a macho man throwing sacks of feet over the back of my truck and I pulled something wrong and from my shoulder, my shoulder to my neck just feels like stiff as a board. So y'all pray for that. But, um, anyway, it's good to be back in church. I'm glad to see everybody's here. Glad everybody's well. And, uh, Oh, the prayer request this morning. Miss Charlotte. Amen. Amen. I'm glad it's better. Sure glad it's better. Good to have my grandkids here today, too, by the way. <laughs> yes, sir. We need to lift her up. Mm. Yes, sir. That's about where I'm at, too, right now. That's, so I, I, know who you, I know where you're at. Uh, I think I praise God we didn't have no more damage than we got. We got a little leak underneath the men's restroom, but it shouldn't be that hard to fix, probably. But uh, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, get under the. I tell you what, it'd be a good be a good day to be a plumber tomorrow, wouldn't it? Hey, Amen. You have plenty of work. Uh, any other prayer requests this morning? Oh my goodness! Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's just—I mean—I don't want to get into all the, the nastiness of it, but there was some cruel things went on during all this, and some very, very bad housekeeping as far as our state went, and, and uh, it's just—it's just sad what happened. We do need to lift people up. I thank God for the people who didn't have to but stepped up and offered to open their homes and. And uh, give people rides places and take people food. I've seen a lot of that in social media, people reaching out, trying to help other people, especially elderly. And just praise God for that. That's that's the Lord working through people. And we just praise God for that. But anyway, we do need to lift up those who are suffering, going through things. There's a couple that lost a, uh, a, couple lost a baby over in, uh, in uh, Blossom, a uh, year and a half old. And uh, just we, our hearts have been broke for that couple. It happened right before all this cold weather hit. Um, anything else? Anybody else? <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Pray for the lost in our country. I was going to mention it during the message, but I'm going to mention it right now. I, don't know, I, I said something to Grant before we started. But something I found, I found online yesterday, I, I had never heard anything about it, but today, this morning, an hour ago, which would be 6 p.m. time in Jerusalem, all the Jews around the world have been asked to pray for the Messiah's return. Now, that sounds great until you realize they're not looking for Jesus. They're looking for their Messiah. They're looking for that ruler to come back. And they're not looking for Christ. They rejected him. But all over the world, Jews are crying out for the Antichrist. They don't know that's who he is yet, but that's who they're crying out for. They missed him when he came the first time. Jesus, and now they're crying out for another Messiah. So, just realize where we're at. We're 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 sitting at the end, okay? And things are starting to take place. And and uh, don't let that alarm you. Let that excite you. Amen. We know how this thing ends. So, but realize where we're at, and realize how good it is to be able to be in church and with God's people, and to have the Word of God, and to know you're saved, and just give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I say. We need to be all the more uh, urgent about sharing our faith with other people because time's running out. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us today. And uh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Before we do that, before we do that, one one more thing. Can you hit me some happy birthday music over there? We got a birthday, I was told. It's Haley back here in the back. Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Haley. Happy birthday to you. God bless you. Amen. Let's go. Oh, Miss Shirley, did something slip by me too? When was that? Well, let's do Shirley. Come on, one time. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Shirley. Happy birthday to you. Amen. 39, right? That's right. Oh. 
229, all right. Well, hold on to it. Hold it as long as you can. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us today. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Turn to number 34. He keeps me singing. Number 34. Of the cross, 
Though the foe may rage at, gather at the flood, let the standard be displayed. And beneath its folds as soldiers of the Lord, for the truth be not dismayed. Marching on, marching on, for Christ count everything but loss. And to crown him king, toil and sing, neath the banner of the cross. Over land and sea, wherever man may dwell, make the glorious tidings known. Crimson banner, now the story tell, while the Lord shall claim his own. Marching on, marching on, for Christ count everything but loss, and to crown him king, toil and sing. Neath the banner of the cross When the glory dawns Tis drawing very near It is hastening day by day Then before our king The foe shall disappear And the cross the world shall sway Marching on, marching on For Christ count everything but loss and to crown him king, toil and sing, neath the banner of the cross. Amen. That'd be a glorious day when Christ sits on the throne and there's no more resistance. Amen. The kings of this world, they'll bow to the king of kings, the Lord of lords. There'll be no more sin. Hallelujah. What a day that'll be. Amen. I look forward to that day. That's too much of it everywhere. 27, Blessed Redeemer. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walk Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on the cross. That he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, Blind and unheeding, dying for me. Father, forgive them, thus he did pray. Meanwhile, his life blood flowed fast away, praying for sinners while in such woe. No one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, Blind man unheeding, dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend. How can my praises ever find him? Through years unnumbered on heaven's shore. My tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, or sinners pleading. Dying unheeding, dying for me. Amen. Yeah. 
I realized that a while ago that I didn't have that one on for Byron. All right. Now he should be able to hear. Jesus stood alone one day. False accused and they condemned, yet they found no fault with him. The man who wore the scarlet purple robe, purple robe, my Savior wore. All oh, the shame for me. He stood alone, forsaken on that day. And they placed upon his head piercing thorns and blood-stained red. His raiment was a scarlet purple robe. In the common judgment hall, he was mocked and scorned by all. And a tear of sorrow fell upon his cheek. Soldiers of the wicked man smote him with their evil hands. A man who wore the scarlet purple robe. Purple robe my Savior wore. Oh, the shame for me he bore. As he stood alone, forsaken on that day. And they placed upon his head, piercing thorns and blood-stained red. His raiment was a scarlet purple robe. Words of truth that day were plain, from the lips of Pilate came. In this man I find no reason he should die. But the multitude replied, let him now be crucified. The man who wore the scarlet purple robe. Purple robe my Savior wore. Oh, the shame for me he bore. As he stood alone, forsaken on that day. And they placed upon his head, piercing thorns and blood-stained red. The man who wore the scarlet purple robe. Praise God. Well, amen. It's good to be in church this morning. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't. I honestly don't. I tried to put an outline together. You said, well, you should have had enough time. You had two or three weeks. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't no outline that I could come up with necessarily. Just I just want to preach this morning on a very... <clears throat> very hard to preach on thing and that is the scourging of our Lord and I know some of you may not really realize what all that entails but you will before this is over I assure you that and you may not want to know when it's all said and done I have been accused of being one of the most graphic people anybody ever met 
because I have, whether it's blessed or cursed, I've been given the ability to draw word pictures very well. God has given me that ability. Adjectives are my friend. And describing what Jesus went through is not going to be pleasant. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. But And we don't have a lot of Bible to go off of on this. We have Roman history. We have the works of Josephus and those things to give us, uh, to kind of color in the the places where the Bible doesn't, and so we can we can gather enough from that in a few other places. But I feel like it, we would do a great disservice if we did not stop and contemplate what the Lord went through in being scourged for you and I. Let's look in our Bible at Matthew 27. Turn there with me, if you would. Matthew 27, verse 21 through 26. And y'all, y'all pray for me. This is weird this morning. I, my wife got me these ear these earbuds or ear pods or whatever they're called. Are they earbuds? pod airpod and so i'm not using the wire i used to use i'm recording through this so I'm, it's like i'm deaf in one ear and i'm hearing the other well i can't really hear good out of the other so y'all pray for me it's a little different this morning matthew 27 21 through 26 if you found that say amen let's read together the bible says the governor answered and said unto them that being Pilate, of course whether whether of the twain will ye that i release unto you they said, Barabbas. And by the way, do you realize, a lot of people don't realize what Barabbas means. It means son of the father. Bar means son of, and Abbas, or Abba, son of the father. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? But they said, release unto us Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you. I thank you this morning for, for loving us so much. I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for all that he went through for me. Lord God, I didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it, and I'm still humbled. I'm still I'm still brought to my knees when I see what my Lord did for me, Father. And I hope that I never ever lose one one speck of that of that feeling that I get when I look toward what Christ has done. When I look to Calvary, oh God, keep me there. Keep me humble before Your throne. God, I pray today the Holy Ghost of God would stir in this place. I pray, Lord, the Holy Ghost of God would stir around me, around my heart, around my soul this morning. I need you today, Lord. I can't do this without you, Father. I'd make a mess of things if I tried. So I plead with you, Lord, please give me the power of the Holy Ghost that I may magnify magnify my Savior. Lord, I pray for each one of these pews today that, Lord, you'd give them the power of the Holy Ghost that they may receive what this message and, Lord, that they may look upon him with their mind's eye and they may, may receive in the depths of their soul the weight, the gravity of all this, Father. We pray, Lord, that the devil be shamed and that Christ be exalted in all things. Lord God, please, we pray that you move in our midst. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. I'm struck by that one statement in verse 25. It just it just resonates with me over and over when I read it. Where the people, all these Jews out there, their Messiah, done all those miracles before them that had fulfilled all those prophecies before them. Here they are, screaming to the, screaming at the top of their lungs to Pilate, His blood be on us and upon our children. We're so sure we want this man dead that we're willing to risk our own lives on it. 
We're willing not only to risk our own lives, but we're willing to put the lives of our children on the line to have this man killed. That's the evil that was residing in the hearts of those Jews that day. When I look at this picture today, when I look at the scourging of Jesus, when I see what was done, I see the very worst of mankind poured out that day, the very worst that man could do, the very worst that they could pour out upon our Lord, they poured out that day. From, from, the, from the chief, the high priest and, and the chief priest who, who, who rallied the mob together that, that rushed him through the streets, uh, jerking on his chains and, and shoving him and, and mocking and, 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 and throwing jeers at him all the way from their ugly hearts to, 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 the, to, the, uh, to the high priests who, who were willing to uh, send him off to be killed. To, to Pilate being willing to wash his hands of it and say, well, y'all handle it, it's your business. All of them. I see the ugliness of men's hearts. I see the ugliness of sin. And if I can communicate one thing to you throughout this entire message is I want you today to look and see the ugliness of sin. Look how vile it is. Look what it causes. I'm, I'm mindful of that verse which says, and when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, when it has its way, when it has its full scope of all that it intends to do in a life, it brings forth death. And we see that picture so plainly placed upon our Savior. Verse 26, though, he said, When he released, when released, he barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus. Now we need to understand what happened, how it took place. But when that when when that when he said that's what we're going to do, Jesus was led off in the custody of those Roman soldiers, led off to another part of of, of Pilate's hall there, a place of punishment. He was carried to the, he was carried, I would assume, led by the lictors, L I C H T O R S, lictors. They, these were Roman officials. They kind of were like. They, they, they were similar to secret, uh, secret service agents today. They went with uh, Roman officials. They, they, if a Roman official was to go into a crowd, they went ahead of him, and they made a wall, and they parted as he walked and, and, uh, and separated the crowd and kept him safe. But they also were ones who administered punishment. <clears throat> but I want, before we get to that, I want, us to look, I want us to look back in Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6 just, just to give you a picture of all this way back yonder. In Isaiah 50 and verse 6, the Bible says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I hid not my face from shame. Whose shame? Not his shame. He had no shame. Is our shame, the shame of our sin. You say, what sin? All of it. Now, I would say to you, well, think back in your mind to the worst, most heinous thing you've ever done, the one thing that you wish you could never, ever, ever remember that you did, but it doesn't really matter because it's all sin. It's all vile before God, and we're going to see how God hates sin. We're going to see right here, it's just the beginning picture of how God truly hates sin. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32, Jesus began telling his disciples, here's what's going to happen. He knew exactly what was to happen. Mark chapter 10, verse 32, he said, and they were going in the way. They were in the way uh, going up to Jerusalem. They were on their way there, and, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him. And the third day, he shall rise again. <clears throat> so 
So Jesus was taken from that place, the, the judgment hall, and he was taken to the place of punishment. And when they got into that place of punishment, they took him to a column, big stone column that was there specifically for that purpose. And they took his arms and they stretched his arms out around that column up high. And they they took leather straps and they bound his arms to rings that were mounted in those stone columns up high. And stretched his body as tight as they could around that column, naked, stripped completely. And it was there in that position that they whipped him. I want to turn to Isaiah 53 just for a moment. Isaiah 53. Very, very familiar passage. The prophet Isaiah speaking about these things that we are looking at this morning way back hundreds of years before. He said, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was not a handsome man, the Bible's telling us. He was not well known for his looks. There was nothing about him that would make someone say, oh, look at that guy in that group. He was just an ordinary, plain, average man. The Bible said he's despised and rejected of men. They didn't want to hear God's word as it, 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 it when it told them of their sins they didn't want to hear about their sins no men love darkness rather than than light because their deeds are evil and they didn't want to hear it so they rejected him so many today they hear the message of salvation but they love their sin and so they reject the savior a man of sorrows I, I look at I look sometimes I listen some I don't hardly ever listen. Let me take that back. I used to. I used to turn my T V on some of those religious channels and I used to watch some of those I don't know what to call them. I, I for the sake of not being ugly, I just won't I will just call them charlatans. But I used to watch some of those charlatans on there promising the moon if you'll just send your seed offering. Promising your Health and wealth, if you just send a seed offering. The Bible says Jesus was a man of sorrows. He didn't have a he didn't have a, a fine mansion somewhere where he could go relax in his Olympic sized swimming pool in his hot tub and 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 and, and hang out and, and his, play in his bowling alley and and all the things that that these people have in their huge houses. He didn't have his two million dollar Learjet that he flew around or, or billion or however much it is. I don't know what them things cost. But I know it's a whole lot more money than anybody ought to have that's serving God. He was a man of sorrows. He didn't have a place to lay his head. He didn't have a change of clothes. The Bible said he hath borne our griefs. He's a man of sorrows. I'm jumping ahead. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Oh, Jesus knew about grief. All he did was deal with people who were grieving. A man of grief, he left the glory of heaven and came to this filthy earth to walk on it. His life was, he, he, all he did was deal with grief from the cradle to the grave. The Bible said, we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised. Not ignored, despised. Despised, why? Because you're telling me I need to get right with God and I don't want to hear it that I'm a lost sinner. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to shut my ears. Don't tell me that. He was despised. Let me tell you, there ain't nobody despised like the preacher either, by the way. I learned that. When I got in the ministry, I thought, everybody's going to love me. Boy, was I wrong. Amen. I'm glad y'all do, but there's a lot of people outside these walls that don't. There's some that outright hate me. Why? They don't hate me. They hate the Lord. Amen. I ain't never done a thing to them but preach them the truth, you see. But they hate the truth shoot the messenger because of the message. The Bible said 
he was despised and we esteemed him not. They say they didn't recognize him. They didn't realize who they were dealing with. We didn't we didn't appreciate him like we should have. Surely he hath borne our griefs. Oh my Lord has carried my griefs when I couldn't carry them. He has carried me and carried my griefs and carried it all so that I could move on forward because I couldn't take a step. He hath borne our griefs. Boy, he carried them to Calvary too. He carried our sorrows. All the broken hearts you've ever had, all the times you've been hurt, all the things that have that have tried to destroy you, the Lord carried those on his back. And yet we did esteem him stricken. Smitten of God. This is speaking from the Jewish perspective. I want you to understand. You and I don't look back on him and see him like that. But we but they did. They thought God was punishing him. He was an evildoer in their eyes and afflicted. No, no. He was wounded for our transgression. Why, why did they beat him? They beat him because they should have beaten me. They beat him because they should have beaten you. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Of our peace was upon him, and with our with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. I'm gonna do what I want to do. It's my life. I'll do what I want to do. We turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. God took all our sin. He said, no, I'm going to put it on you, and you're going to pay the price. You're going to take the punishment. They can't take it. It'll send them to hell. I'm going to put it on you, my son, and you're going to bear the load of their punishment. Suppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers, is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something about this whipping that our Lord took. I'm going to try to enlighten you just a little bit today on this. I want to show you some pictures. If I can get this thing to cooperate. What do they whip him with? Well, the Romans had three different whips that they administered scourging with. There was the first one that was just a, a braided leather whip that they would that they would use. And then if that one didn't, I mean, if they wanted to use another one, a little more severe, they would use one that had these, y'all seen the Pandora bracelets for women? You put a little thing on? Well, they had a little thing like that they'd put on the whip, except it was like a sprocket, a gear and they would slide that down over the leather straps and tie knots to keep them in place, and you'd have a heavy bunch of lead, uh, lead spikes that would come down upon the skin and tear the skin. Doesn't that look painful? That's the that's the leather cords bound with broken pieces of glass and sheep's bone and and different things, and then if they had to really go to the worst one, they got the old cat of nine tails. All these leather straps bound to this stick and then bound together in a circle with a leather strap and, and, and brass brads. But the thing is, the cruel part is the end of these things. If you can see, they have lead weights on the end. And they have spikes coming off the lead weights. Here's a better picture. Some of you have seen Swamp People, the show, where they have the, the hook they made with the three hooks that they throw out and catch the gators. There was one of those on the end of each of these straps. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus was not beaten with any of the first two. I believe with all my heart he was beaten with this one. And I'll tell you why. There's good reason for that belief. You see, we just read in Isaiah 
I'm going to get back to this in just a second if I can find my way back. We just read in Isaiah, the Bible said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Understand that when the Roman lictors would beat a prisoner, it was to get that prisoner to confess. And so they started with the, with the worst, and they would take it and they would lash it across that prisoner's back. And if the prisoner cried out and confessed crime, then the punishment would get lighter. It would go to the lesser whip. And if they kept confessing, they would get to where they got down to the lightest whip and finish it with that. But you see, there was two men who would have been whipping Jesus. They had two for punishment. So you had two men... And they weren't standing way off. They were right behind him as his body is stretched around this huge stone column, naked, standing there trembling before them. And, uh, and don't, don't, don't miss the picture. He'd been beaten all in the face. but All of his lips were just bloody everywhere. His eyes swollen shut. Blood all over him from having bled in the garden and having been beaten. And now these Roman lictors take these cat of nine tails and they begin slicing his back with every throw of that whip. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. Don't miss what I'm saying to you this morning. With every throw of that whip, it sliced through his body. Understand those lead weights, when they came into him, they would, they would sometimes penetrate the flesh and dig into the, to the, to the, uh, the dermis, underneath the epidermis, and, and then they would yank, and it would just slice ribbons. If a prisoner had, had his shirt on, it would embed the material into his back. Our Lord didn't have anything on him. It's horrifying. It said that when, if, if people were standing nearby watching as this thing happened, when they would come by the back, sometimes they would be sprayed with pieces of flesh all over their faces. Psalm twenty two seventeen, David said this, prophesying about Christ. He said, I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. I may tell all my bones. When they finished whipping Jesus Christ, he could look down and literally see his bones coming through his skin everywhere on his body. Psalm 129 in verse 3, the Bible said, The plowers plowed upon my back. Plowed upon, that's in the Bible, they plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Realize, the more they beat him and the more he didn't say a word, the angrier they got. These were men, these were large soldiers, very muscular, powerful men who, who had trained and took great pride in inflicting as much torture and pain as they possibly could on someone. And, and that was their, they took great pride in that. So the more he didn't cry out, the more they hit him harder. We know that Paul said that he was, that five times he was beaten and he received uh, 40 stripes, save one, 39 stripes, five different times. We don't know for sure how many stripes Jesus got. There was no Roman law that said he couldn't have gotten more than that. Up to 351 gashes across his body if it were 39 stripes with the cat of nine tails. His bones showing through. His inner organs showing through. And by the way, just as a side note, it was unlawful according to Jewish law for an unnecessarily cruel punishment to be applied. It was, also, it was also against Roman law that one who was to be crucified would be tortured this way before they were crucified. But you see, the worst of man came out that day. John 19, 1 through 5. I want us to look at that account. We're, almost, we're closing. We're getting close to closing up this morning. John 19, 1 through 5. Then Pilate... Therefore took Jesus 
him. Now, I want you to understand, his hope was, because Pilate said, I am innocent of the blood of this just man, and he washed his hands. I believe with all my heart that Pilate hoped that when they got through beating Jesus and they brought him back, if he were still alive, and they, he showed him to the people that they would look upon his injuries and have compassion and say, that's enough, that's enough. I believe that was Pilate's hope because Pilate found him to be innocent. He claimed he said he was innocent. But that was not all that happened to Jesus. No, he took that beating. He lacerated his body. I mean, and by the way, and, I, and I'm going to get graphic because I feel it's necessary. I read, I read that, that when they were whipping those, those prisoners with that cat of nine tails, uh, that, that the blood would coagulate so on those, on those strips of leather and, 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 and lead that they would literally have to stop and strip the coagulated blood off of it for it to be effective. That's how terrible of a beating it was, left his back looking like hamburger or something. The Bible said they took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put, him in a, put on him a purple robe, and they said, Hail, hail, King of the Jews, and smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto, saith unto them, Behold the man. Now what I see in this, I see more cruel punishment put on him by the Roman soldiers after they had scourged him, after his body was torn to shreds, after he has blood dripping literally from everywhere on his body. Then they took him. And they mocked him. They mocked him. They said, hail, king of the Jews. Hail. You say, you're a king. Look at you now. Aren't you a king? Aren't you? Look at you. All bloody and beaten to a pulp. Look at you. They made fun of our Lord. Oh, they should have praised him. They should have fell down and worshipped him. One of him. Everybody that day had mocked him. The Jewish rulers had mocked him. And now the Roman rulers mocked him as a king. They stripped him. He was naked. Why did they do that? To increase his humiliation, to make him feel completely humiliated. Publicly stripped naked before. We, uh, Catholics put the little tunic on him. They like to dress him up and put a little trickle of blood down his side. I'm going to tell you something. If you saw Jesus on that day, it would, it would absolutely horrify you. There was nothing, there's no beauty in what we're seeing there. There's no symbolism to hang on a wall somewhere and say, oh, look how glorious. That, listen, it was horrifying. Scarlet robe on him. Common people didn't wear scarlet. Scarlet... Scarlet dye, a purple dye was a very, very pricey thing, and scarlet, and scarlet material was extremely expensive, and they took some down from somewhere in Pilate's hall, and they wrapped it around him. They were trying to mock him, his kingly appearance, you see, dressing him up as a king and mocking him. And then, of course, they had to have a crown on their king, so they took those thorns and I've, I've looked into those thorns a little bit, and the closest thing we have to it here is the honey locust tree, and I know you all familiar with them. If you've been out in the country anywhere and you've been up against one, they certainly ain't nothing to mess with. But they planted that, that crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and then they took a rod, and they beat it into his head. You know what the significance of the crown of thorns is? What did God tell Adam in chapter 3? Thorns and thistles shall the ground bring forth for thy sake. Why? Because of the curse of sin. And here's Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Sin of the world. He took our sin, took my sin. It was my sin that put him in that position. It was your sin that put him in that position. He put a reed in his right hand. Kings hold scepters. They don't hold reeds. 
glorious, ornate scepters that have been carved uh, by, the, by the, the, the finest artists there are. No, they gave him something like a cattail to hold. The mockery. And they bowed before him. They bowed their knees before him. They said, Hail, King! Hail, look at you now, King! Aren't you glorious? Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They did it as if to say, is this the best king you Jews can bring forth? Behold the man. Look at him. Look upon him. And as they looked upon him, they looked upon him with disgust. Saw him to be. But when I look upon him, I look upon him with disgust of myself. I realize it's my sin that put him in that position to begin with. Let me say to you this morning, Romans 5, 8 says, but God commendeth. That means God demonstrated and showed his love toward us. How much did God love me? He loved me so much that while I was still yet a sinner, he put all my sin upon his son and he punished his son. He let man punish his son and he put his own punishment upon his son. He punished him for my sake. Oh, that's me. That's what I deserve. That's every bit of what God says. My sin should have been punished by that should have been me stretched out around that Roman column. That should have been me who took all those lacerations on my back. That should have been me who was mocked. That should have been me whose beard was ripped out. That should have been me who took the fist of the Roman soldiers. That should have been me who was slapped. It should have been me they spit on. And I say to you this morning, I think we have gotten so dull to see it. In this age that we live in where sin is so rampant, and the Bible says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, and I believe that's even within the walls of the church because we forget how vile our own sin is. We forget how vile it is, and we let it build up and build up and build up, and we don't go to the Savior and throw ourselves in His mercy and say, Oh, God, have mercy on me. I've let things slip in my life. I've allowed sin to creep in. I'm allowing this sin to destroy me. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Behold the man. Look at him. Look at the blood run down his body. His quivering flesh. His every nerve ending in his body is set on fire. Behold the man. He did that. Tim did that. When we see it, it's, it's so easy for us to go to God and say, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. You know why it's so easy for us to do that? Because he did, it so, he did everything so hard for us. And it's so easy that sometimes we forget how hard it was for him to pay the debt. First John 1, I'm going to close with this, 6 through 10. If we say, that we have no, that, I'm sorry, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. I wonder how many Christians today, oh yeah, I got a good relationship with Jesus, but yet their lives don't reflect that. God help us all. Pray for me. I want my life to reflect my Savior. I want my life to be a reflection of my gratitude for what he's done for me. I want, to, I want to live in the reality of what I'm trying to explain to you every day that I live so that I appreciate every moment, every opportunity, everything that he's given me. I want to appreciate that. I want, I want to give him the glory that he deserves. Behold the man with, with his stripes, not mine, with his. See, we, we often think, well, he died on the cross for me, but we forget everything he did on the way to the cross for you. Because that was all for me too. All of it. All of the mockery, all of the shame, all of the, all of the ugliness, the hatred, the pain, the suffering, all of it was for me and you, for our sins. Behold the man. He was wounded for our transgressions. When they laid that, when they laid that thing to his back, it was for me. I should have felt that. 
he was bruised for our iniquities. Every time those lead balls struck his side and cracked the rib or, 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 or well, I guess, no, his bones weren't broken, were they? No, they weren't broken. It's amazing how God protected his bones through that beating. But every time those things struck, they struck with blunt force. They, they, they were swung with great force, some great, big, powerful men. That was my sin that he was pounding on him for. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. God said, that's the whipping it would have took for you. That's the kind of whipping you deserve. That's what I see when I look at that. That's what I deserve. Every bit of that, that's what I deserved. By his stripes, we're healed. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, how do I do that, preacher? I get right with God about the stuff that ain't right in my life. That's how. I seek after him. I, I cry out for him. I, I seek his face and turn from my wicked ways. That's how. We'll have fellowship one with another. Me and Jesus. Me and Jesus. I say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me. He said, oh, I, I loved you so much. I still love you. I love you every day of your life. And I, I'd do it all over again if I had to for you because I love you. I love you. That's kind of fellowship. Gratefulness. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Punishment did was satisfied the Father. It satisfied him. So that I don't have to suffer any punishment for my sin. I get to go free. I don't have to suffer any of it. Oh, God, what he's done for me. What he's done for you. If we say that we have no sin, oh, how could we ever, how could we ever go around as if we weren't sinners? How could we ever pretend as though we're not as vile as we truly are? We've been washed, thank God, but we're not, we're not anything to speak of. It's him, it's not us. We say we have no sin. We, we lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But oh, but verse 9, glory to God, if we confess our sin, faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because he put all that on Jesus. He made Jesus suffer for me. If I could say anything to you in closing this morning, it's don't miss how vile sin is. Don't miss what God had to do to our Savior because of sin. Don't ever forget that picture. Don't ever forget that mental picture. We haven't even got to the cross. Don't ever forget the pain that he endured because of our sin. Our just absolute disregard for the, for, for the laws of God. Our absolute disregard for what's right and proper. Our selfishness. Our greed, our lust, when it overwhelms us to the point we forget what he's done. And may we come in, 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 in repentance and say, Oh, God, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Oh, God, please. Strip away the stony flesh of my heart and let me feel again. Let me feel, Lord, what you've done for me. Let me understand it. Let me see it. Let my brain receive it. Let it sink down into my being. And, Lord, may it, may it guide and motivate and drive my actions. Don't miss this. Behold the man. When you begin to slip, behold the man. Let's stand together. We're going to have a song of invitation here in just a second. And I'm going to urge you, if God's dealt with you this morning, please do business with him. Don't, don't, don't mess around and say, well, I'll take care of it another time. It's, it's almost it's after dinner now, a few minutes. Listen, that's why we came to church. We, we, we waited all week to be able to get here. Let's do business with the Lord. 375, we're going to pray. Father, we pray now that you... 
that you meet with us, that you do business with us, Father, you deal in our lives. Lord, that you show us, Lord, where we've slipped. Lord, that you show us where we, where we've, we've, we've forgotten. Oh, God, please bring us to remembrance. And, Lord, make us remember that, that, that altar wherever it was when we came to you. Way back yonder when we fell on our faces and we cried out to you and we asked for salvation. Oh, Lord, make us remember our need. And Lord, when we come to times where we've slipped and we've backed up and we've we, we've fallen short on you again, oh God, please help us to remember what Jesus has done and bring break our hearts, bring us to repentance, and Lord, restore in us what's missing. We thank you so much for salvation through the blood, salvation that don't ever go away, salvation we can't lose. But oh Lord, make our hearts tender. Please, Lord Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 375. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to I want you to 